0: He is a friend of the program, and we always learn a lot from him and his experience. Ambassador Gary A. Grappo served numerous assignments at the State Department in Washington, D.C., as well as postings in Nicaragua, Portugal, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Oman, twice Iraq, and Jerusalem. He's held a number of senior positions in the State Department, including U.S. Ambassador to the Sultanate of Oman, Minister Counselor for Political Affairs at the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad, and Charge d'Affaires and Deputy Chief of Mission of the U.S. Embassy in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. He was named a distinguished. Fellow at the Center for Middle East Studies of the Corbel School of International Studies at the University of Denver. More than a pleasure to have back with us in the new year, Ambassador Grappo. Mr. Ambassador, thank you for joining us. Happy New Year, sir, and welcome back.
1: And you as well. Thank you very much, Leslie.
0: Explain to folks briefly. What is going on between Iran and Saudi Arabia? We know that Iran has now accused the Saudis of striking its embassy in Yemen, but we also know that Saudi Arabians have had military airstrikes against rebels that were backed by Iran since back in March, months ago.
1: Well, Leslie, in fact, this has been a feud simmering since 1979 uh, with the onset of the Islamic Revolution in Iran which uh, greatly alarmed and disturbed the leadership in Saudi Arabia. Uh, and this triggered a number of reactions on, on the part of Saudi Arabia, all leading up to an increase in tensions uh, driven very heavily, and, and we can't ignore this fact, by the very strong sectarian differences between Saudi Arabia, which is Wahhabi, Sunni, and Iran, which is pre- predominantly Shia. And uh, a lot of what we see comes from, uh, from that uh, sectarian religious uh, tension, but also some geostrategic concerns as well, particularly Saudi Arabia's uh, alarm over the perception that they have lost the support of the United States. And so we've seen various actions, whether it's Iran in Iraq supporting Shia militia against um, various Sunni groups or the um, essentially proxy war taking place, as you mentioned, in Yemen and even in Syria, where we see Saudi Arabia supporting uh, various Sunni opposition groups and Iran, providing very, very strong military and financial support to the government of uh, Bashar al-Assad.
0: Um, Let's talk about the concerns here, because some people you know, don't think highly of either nation uh, here in the United States. And a lot of people, I think, here in the United States don't fully understand, not only the governments, the people, the mindset, what the United States relationship is, should be, and why it's important that we have such relationships with those nations. With regard to Syria and America's efforts to forge peace in Syria, how does this tension between Saudi Arabia and Iran interrupt that? or uh, greatly delay that for us, um, if that is, in fact, the
1: case. It's probably going to be quite disruptive, because uh, just at the end of last year, uh, a group of nations, which included both Saudi Arabia and Iran, as well as the United States and Russia, uh, came to an understanding about how to address the civil war in Syria. With this conflict now, uh, we really have to question whether the two countries are going to be willing to pursue uh, the agreement that was reached um, back, in, back in December for some kind of peaceful, acceptable resolution to the civil war there. Um, so whether it's in Syria or in Yemen or just about anywhere else in the region, this conflict between Iran and Saudi Arabia uh, is going to be highly detrimental.
0: Let's also talk further, not just with regard to uh, Syria, of of which we know a sizable portion of that nation is a caliphate that is run by ISIS, also Iraq, and just the um, attempts at world domination that ISIS has, threats that ISIS is making, and how ISIS has been weighing in on this conflict between these two nations. Um, How does this tension, how does this fight, if you will, currently between Iran and Saudi Arabia uh, work against us in trying to combat ISIS?
1: Well, as I indicated earlier, Leslie, uh, we simply just cannot ignore the very strong sectarian overtones uh, of this most recent confrontation that, as I said, uh, dates back to 1979. In fact, if you want to look at Islamic history, perhaps even before then. Um, And so um, if if it uh, accelerates, if this becomes worse then we are likely to see alliances drawn, whether intentional or not, uh, among various groups, those that are pro Sunni versus those pro Shia, uh, pretty much along the lines of the two uh, two main um, combatants here, Iraq and, or uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia. Um, so a conflict of this nature, and by the way, for all the instability, chaos and mayhem that we have seen in the Middle East since the Arab Spring now five years ago, the one thing that we have not seen, very fortunately, is outright conflict between two states. And so if we saw open conflict between Iran and Saudi Arabia, this would be obviously a dramatic turn for the worst. Moreover, we're talking about two of the three regional superpowers uh, going at one another. So um, the repercussions of this conflict um, uh, ripple out quite extensively, not only just in the immediate Gulf region, but in the Middle East as a whole, and even uh, globally.
0: Let's talk about these two nations. I think sometimes, like I had said, Americans not always familiar with the dynamics and certainly um, not just ge- geography, uh, but the, the politics and relationships. Um, first of all, the United States obviously has a much stronger relationship and alliance with Saudi Arabia. So is it fair to say, as simplistic as it sounds, Americans should be rooting for the Saudis in this situation?
1: Well, uh you're correct that we have a very strong relationship dating back to the founding of the modern Saudi state in the uh, late 1920s, early 30s with with the kingdom, uh, whereas, obviously, since 1979, uh, we've had a very distant relationship, if any at all, with uh, Iran. But I don't think the United States should want to um, step in and... and and in any way encourage Saudi Arabia to continue along the path that it's on. On the contrary, I I think especially the United States, but the international community as a whole, in particular the EU, Russia, China, even Turkey and Egypt, uh, should all look at trying to play a role that uh, turns down the current temperature between these two countries. Um, and gets them to address some of the issues uh, uh, diplomatically. Because right now, uh, there is no good outcome to a continuing uh, exacerbation of this conflict, a uh, continuing acceleration. Uh, there's just no good outcome for anyone. Most certainly the United States, just, just to name one, um, if we did see open conflict between these two uh, countries, we can expect uh, fuel prices, which have been, of course, quite depressed over the last year or so, uh, to, uh, to shoot through the roof, which would have a detrimental impact on the global economy, most especially on those countries who rely on uh, imports from the, the Middle East, but even the United States, since uh, our oil is priced according to global market prices.
0: I, I also want to talk about, uh, the confusion. I know that there have been people that have emailed me or posted on social media. With regard to ISIS, it is beneficial to both Iran and Saudi Arabia that ISIS is eradicated. And we've had both uh, the Saudis and Iranians um, fighting in some manner, whether it's with Czech weaponry or actual uh, individuals, um, at least from the air, um, of fighting against ISIS. Isn't this an area where they both have a common ground? And isn't um, the eradication of ISIS? more important than uh, getting angry and, and trying to commit violence and point fingers over the execution of one individual, one cleric.
1: Correct. Uh, uh, without question, both countries uh, see uh, ISIS as a, as a threat uh, to, them, uh, to themselves and to their allies. However, let's also uh, remember with respect to Syria that uh, the two countries see the government of Syria uh, in diametrically opposite ways, where, in, in, in this case, Iran, strongly supportive of the government of Bashar al-Assad and Saudi Arabia, strongly opposed and supporting um, various Sunni opposition groups, although not ISIS. Uh, in fact, however, uh, Saudi Arabia has not stepped up probably as much as the United States would have liked in, in the fight against ISIS simply because they allowed themselves to be distracted by the conflict in Yemen, uh, where the two big powers are also clashing. So uh, ISIS should, in fact, be a much higher priority uh, than the uh, unfortunate and unnecessary, in my view, execution of this sheikh. Uh, And they should find some way to get over that and, and address the issues that they do have in common, which is restoring stability in the region, something that, of course, is desperately needed.
0: Most definitely. And and, and because of this, what we're talking about, Mr. Ambassador, because we have the knowledge and and, I mean, this is common sense. um, So does Iran. So what does Iran seek to gain here? Because this perhaps I don't want to say no other time, but no other time in recent times. Do you need nations, especially Muslim nations in the Middle East, to put the Shia-Sunni differences aside, even though they span over 600, or they go back to, to what 600 AD, 600 plus AD, when Muhammad passed, uh, the Prophet Muhammad, um, to, to put those differences aside? Uh, because if not, I mean, you know, ISIS threatens to not not just with violence, further destabilize that entire region and and, and truly bring harm and wreak havoc in uh, that area and perhaps at, on their nations, but it could definitely affect the economy of these nations.
1: Absolutely. And, and this is what the international community, and I would suggest led by the United States, should be trying to do is to bring these two countries back together to talk about their differences, but also to address uh, their common interests like extremism, violence, terrorism in the region, starting with ISIS, but also Al-Qaeda, both Governments have stated publicly, and mostly through their actions, and I'm speaking here of uh, Iran in the past, uh, may not as much, but certainly most recently have voiced strong opposition to al-Qaeda and other terrorist organizations. So um, these are the kinds of things that we should be emphasizing that they address in common and put these differences aside. However, I just want to underscore to you and your listeners um, that the sectarian differences are very profound, very, very profound. In my time in Saudi Arabia, I heard time and again uh, some very vicious, uh, visceral uh, criticism and attacks on Shia, in many cases without the individuals even having, having ever met a Shia before. Uh, and the, on their side, the Shia feel as, uh, as a persecuted sect within Islam and therefore always have this kind of defensive reaction when anything happens uh, in the region and these are the these are the two things that i think we have to bear in mind as we the global community try to get these countries to turn down the thermometer here because um, there is no good outcome for either country iran in particular should understand the consequences of a conflict with another uh, major regional power Uh, The uh, 1988 war with Iraq took uh, probably at least 600,000 Iranian lives, including many, many very, very young Iranians. So there are Iranians today who recall that war very vividly and are not very anxious to see another one with another major power like Saudi Arabia.
0: Mr. Ambassador, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with you in just a moment. I appreciate you taking the time, and I know you'll be with us one more segment. I look forward to the conversation, and I know our listeners do as well. Don't go away. Don't touch that dial. Ambassador Gary Grappo joins us. If you have a question for the ambassadors, with us. One more segment. So pick up the phone, 8886 Leslie, 8886537543. You're working, you're busy, you're driving, you just want to comment on Twitter, at Leslie Marshall is the best way to do that. I'll incorporate the tweets best I can throughout the next segment. We'll be back right after this. Ambassador, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Let's take a quick call before this segment runs out. Ibrahim is in Massachusetts online too Ibrahim, good afternoon. Question or comment for the ambassador? Uh,
1: good afternoon. I just have a comment. And The Shia had a saying. They say, if you kill a Sunni, you are going to shake hands with Ali at the end of life or whatever, which doesn't make any sense. Besides, they never respected the, the three figures of Islam, Abu Bakr and Omar and Osman. They never do. And they don't believe in them. In fact, they insulted them. Lately, they hung a, a, a poet who wrote a poetry uh, criticizing the government of Iran. Besides the 47 people who were hung in Saudi Arabia, 46 of them are Sunni, 43 from Taliban, which they deserve to be hung, one Egyptian and another from other nationality. Nobody said anything about that.
0: Okay, interesting. Uh, Mr. Ambassador, care to comment?
1: Yes, well Well, uh, yes, Yeah. In fact, uh, the, the vast majority of the 47 individuals uh, executed uh, several days ago uh, were uh, largely Sunnis um, com- convicted of various crimes of terrorism, some of them uh, affiliated in one form or another with either uh, the Islamic State or with uh, uh, al-Qaeda, uh, largely because the, the, the Saudis are, are driven – to um, to combat extremism, particularly violent uh, extremism in their own country. Uh, but uh, they had been cautioned by a number of countries, including the United States, but, but a number of others, uh, about Sheikh Nimr, uh, because he was probably the single most prominent Saudi Shia uh, Sheikh. And uh, although some of his comments and activities could possibly be considered mildly seditious. They were in no way really threatening to the government or to the um, the ruling Assad family. And so um, uh, why they decided to proceed with this execution remains something of of a mystery to a a number of of folks. Uh, There's also the question, um, as I mentioned before, the the Saudis um, seem to fee, uh, feel this sense of abandonment by the United States. Um, uh, shortly after the Arab Spring, we saw the, the downfall of uh, President Mubarak of Egypt, uh, who had been a longtime ally of, of the United States. And the United States, in the perception of the Saudis, should have stood up and defended him and tried to keep him in office. Uh, we did not, of course. And, um, and he was removed from office. Uh, that deeply disturbed the Saudi leadership. If we could do that to to him, right. uh, could we possibly behave in the same way under similar circumstances with the king of Saudi Arabia and the ruling Asaoud? That I think, more, that's
0: a, I think that's a valid me. question, Mr. Ambassador. Unfortunately, we're out of time. We will have you back, as you know. I'm glad that you're with us in the new year, and I hope that your holiday was good for you and your family. Ambassador Gary A. Grappo.